Welcome to Monoreal Radio Dockside Chat number 20. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. And we are here this week from a windy, chilly Dockside Margaritas at Disney Springs. Yeah, we're coming off a pretty bad storm last night. It was supposed to wash us out the entire weekend, but I'm glad we at least had more favorable weather today, even though it's cold. I can't believe we're at 20 of these things. That's sort of mind-blowing to me. See, and to me, I can buy that we're at 20 because in spite of rumor and popular opinion, we are not here exclusively to record these chats. We do come here independent of having these conversations. So I think we just come here so often that to me it's like, yeah, yeah, 20, that sounds about right. The perception is really that we're here all the time, that we in fact live at Dockside Margaritas, and really nothing makes me happier than when we get angry texts when people find out that we are not in fact here and they were looking for us. And that happens more often than you'd think. It does. But with all of that being said, we're here with the seasonal margarita, the Cranberry Paloma, uh, we had it the last time we were here, and we thought it was good, but not great. And that's because, as I remember it, there wasn't, like, a lot of cranberry to it. And you could have put almost any margarita in front of me and told me it was a seasonal. Whereas last year, they had the peppermint margarita, or the candy cane margarita was what they called it. Yeah. And I thought it was going to be disgusting. I thought it was going to taste like Listerine. And it ended up being so good. one of my favorite margaritas of all time. So we're going to give this another try. What's interesting, though, there was a photo of this last time in front of Dockside Margaritas, and it had the star anise in it. Yeah. There's no more photo, and still no star anise. But this But I'm color, thinking that's why they took the photo away. This color is closer, though. This is a darker yes. margarita than we got the last time. This that's, looks like cranberry. Yeah, so this has me excited. So cheers. Let's cheers. give it another, another try. Yep. Mm. Bang. Cranberry. Up front. Cranberry, allspice. Get that bitterness on the tongue on the back end like you would with a cranberry. But it's not overly tart. This is much more balanced than it was the last time. Yeah. This is a much better margarita. It's still not as good as the candy cane, but it's at least... it. it the seasonal feels are all there. Yes. All right. Well, we have an awful lot to talk about uh, today. We have a really action-packed dockside margarita, uh, dockside chat. I, I, and a margarita. I'm, I'm just all about it right now. <laughs> we may have had a couple of drinks with brunch there, leading the, into this. There's more about that coming up soon. Yeah, we made a couple stops today. Yeah, let's go. It's the holidays. This episode is sponsored by Hidden Mickey Supply Co. Products include Disney and Pixar-inspired 3D straw charms, ornaments, personalized photo nightlights, and so much more. Listeners of Monreal Radio can get a 10% discount with the code MONREAL10 at checkout. Visit Hidden Mickey Supply Co. on Instagram and Etsy to stay up to date on all of the new releases. All right. So, let's... We, We're going to back all the way up to our last Dockside chat, essentially, because we made yeah. a pit stop before we went home. Um, we stopped into Gideon's. Now, this was back in November, so their seasonal cookie was still of the pumpkin profile. Yeah. Um, so we got them to go, had them for breakfast the next day, and oh my gosh, it is one of the best things that Gideon's has ever done. That pumpkin pie cookie that they did was unbelievable. Well, that's exactly what it is, because there's still pumpkin puree. There's like a layer of pumpkin puree, so it's still very soft. It's more like a pie than it is a cookie. It was absolutely delicious. Yeah. 
and uh, I'm excited about the next rounds of seasonal offerings at Gideon's, which we will talk about. Yeah. Spoiler alert, my shoulder hurts from carrying the bag <laughs> back to the car. So, I mentioned earlier that we were rained out of plans this weekend. Yeah. But looking at this list of everything that we've done... You'd never know. Exactly. There's still so much to talk about because we had four visitors in the course of a week, which was so much fun. Um, I, I, everyone kept saying that we were crazy going back and forth to Disney so much, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I love that when friends are in town, they think enough to include us in their vacation plans and want to meet up with us. Uh, so I had a blast. It was a hectic couple of days, but we had a lot of fun. Um, so we started off, uh, we had plans to meet up with our friends the, this was the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Yes. Uh, we were going to have dinner with them because they were in town for their birthday, or one of their birthdays, and um, they were in the parks before they were ready to meet up with us, and we were blocked out that weekend, it being Thanksgiving. So we took the opportunity to go over to the Wilderness Lodge and see the tree, uh, which is gorgeous as always. And I'm not sure if this is just because it was Thanksgiving weekend and it was busy or if this is something that they've added back this year. Um, they did have photo pass there I was at the hotel, surprised. which was really, really nice. Um, so I think that's a nice added bonus for guests that are staying there to be able to, especially this time of year, you know, if you're there for Thanksgiving weekend, you get a nice picture in front of the tree, you go home and boom, instant Christmas card. It's great. I mean, and it is one of the most photogenic resorts, low-key, especially around the holidays. Um, it, 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 it's so underrepresented, it's underappreciated, and you can go and get a good meal there. We went and sat by the fireplace, had hot chocolate, um, and you can pick up snacks and cookies and, and fudge and things like that to take back with you. Like, just all in all, it's it's... In terms of a Christmas hotel, we'll call it, you know, if you're looking for that Hallmark movie... That cozy... Like, the Wilderness Lodge is the place you want to go to. Absolutely. And then from there, we jumped over here to Disney Springs and met up with our friends over at Raglan Road and had dinner over at Raglan. And we've talked about Raglan for... Uh, going in for snacks. By the way, the volcano's working again. I'm very excited. Thank heavens, because it is chilly. Let's light that fire up. Fire! Um, I want to feel it. Yeah, but we went and did a full dinner at Raglan Road. It was our friend's first time being there. We've been there before, but not for quite some time. The food, as always, unbelievable. And I am not afraid to admit <laughs> that not only did I order, order a docky duo for the table... I ordered one as my entree. Yes. N not even, like, that there's an appetizer por portion and a dinner portion. He was just like, nope, bring out another one, please. Um, when you're training for Dopey, you can have a docky duo to yourself. <laughs> this is my justification. You don't need to justify it. It's just that good. But it makes me feel better. I finally got the gnocchi, which I've been wanting to try. Um... It was delicious. It's not the traditional gnocchi where, you know, you get that smaller size where, you know, they'll fill a bowl with it. Right. Um, these were about, it was m more like having ravioli where there's like eight of them on the plate because they were much larger. But 
um, you can tell that they're made in house because they're all different sizes. There's, you know, they're not your cookie cutter gnocchi. Um, but that was excellent. And I got um, the seasonal drink over at Raglan, um, which was really nice. And I forget what it's called, um, but made with cranberry juice, nutmeg. It was it was really good. I, I enjoyed. I think that. there was Irish whiskey in it, if I remember correctly. I believe so. I think it was like their like take on a seasonal mule. No, it wasn't. It wasn't a mule because they do have a seasonal mule on the menu. This was more. Um, it, it, it was funny because it tasted like a sangria, but it wasn't. There was no wine in it. I'm thinking about what Mike had. Mike Mike had more like a mule. Yes. And, and then, oh, and they, for his birthday, they brought him a dessert, which oh was like a bread pudding. God. It was obnoxious how big it was. To be fair, our server, bless him. It was so good. Saw how we were working our way through dinner, and he kind of gave us like a wink and a nod of like, just so you know, dessert's coming. Because he had his birthday pin on. That's how they knew. Nothing could have prepared us for the size of this red pudding. It was insane. Um, But, oh my goodness, it it looked delicious. Yeah. I was too full to even try any, but wow. Uh, It was was an impressive dessert. But we had enough room to have a nightcap over at the boathouse. Yes, of course. Like you do. A razzmatazz. A duck-duck razz. Duck-duck razz, what I call it. it. Razzmatazz. Oh, that was um, razzmatazz's uh, abracadabar, I think. I get these confused after a while. But uh, went there, caught the end of the Sunday night football game, had a really nice end to the night, and, and I was surprised, actually, because that was Thanksgiving week, and I ran Space Coast Half Marathon that morning. That morning, yeah. And we were able to get a spot at Boathouse, at the bar, outside on the dock, without any real effort. And we know that those holiday weekends, it can really get jammed here. And I don't know if it's just because it was the end of the night, and people were clearing out, or... Like people were leaving on a Sunday, maybe the whole place. Like being at Springs that night did not feel like we were there on a holiday. Like honestly, it felt busier today. It's absolutely busier today, yeah. right? For sure. Um, but with all that being said, we had a really nice night there, and then we had more friends that came in um, and brought their kids with them on vacation, and. Uh, you had actually booked for them. I did, yes. Um, so I booked them at the All-Star Movies, uh, which is where we went to meet them because they had an off day from the parks. They did two park days, saw us on their off day, and then they did the other two parks. Um, we hadn't been to the, mo- the All-Star Movies in a minute. so it 2013, was, I think, was the last time we were there. It was nice to be back there because we had never seen it decorated for Christmas. So it was really cool to see... Um, the tree in the lobby, we had never seen their Christmas tree there. Very festive and like leaned into the theme it was of all-star super movies. super cute. And what I was also really surprised to see is that we've seen the step and repeats here at Disney. You and I usually take a picture in front of them when right. there's a new movie release or we'll record our monoreel in a minute in front of them. Right. Now we know where they go to die. <laughs> they go to they the go all-star, all-star movie. movie resort. Because <laughs> there was one for Wish. There was the Haunted Mansion from yeah. over the summer. Uh, but it's cool. It's it's a smart way to reuse them. Yeah. I just realized there's a dance crew and they're it's playing. jammed over there. But they're playing Answer the Call, the song that they played for Disney 50. Oh, my gosh. The magic is calling, Answer yeah, the Call. Yeah, yeah. I thought I recognized. I was like, 
Why do I know this? Why am I bopping my head? That's I don't know, why. but that just very much excited me. Um, you know what else excited That's me great. was being at the All Star um, that night. They knocked the wall out between the food court and the bar and had a to-go window from the bar in the food court. And I think that that's interesting to note because I don't ever remember that being there. And if it was, it was never opened. I honestly don't recall. It definitely wasn't open if it was there, but I I don't know. I, I honestly don't remember. I would be certain that that was never there. But it's there now. So if you're going and staying, and I'm wondering, we, we may have to book some more friends at some of the other resorts and go hop over there. Because I'm interested to see if they did it at the All-Star Movie, if by rights they would do it at some of the other resorts. Um, yeah, because as far as the value resorts go, I mean, that was part of the reason even before the Skyliner that we were staying with Pop because we knew it had the bar. Well, Petals is detached from the building. That's yes. the other thing. So yeah. Petals wouldn't have the window and the drop-off bar, if I remember, at Art of Animation is also detached. That's technically a pool bar. We technically weren't supposed to go there. Um, <laughs> well, if going by what the original design was, that's all the same resort at the end of the day anyway, so we were allowed to be there. That's, that's the hill I'm going to die on. We went to Epcot to go hang out with some more folks that were in town. Um, we did not initially know when we made plans with them that that was the night that John Stamos was there doing candlelight. We, we just didn't put the two and two together, but that's where they were going to be that day. And we said, okay, great. We're not blocked out. We will meet you at a, because now this is only the week right after Thanksgiving. Right. So now for those keeping track, this is visitor three of four in the course of seven days. Um, I have never seen Epcot this busy. You couldn't move. You could not move. And we didn't want to crash their entire day, so we figured we're going to get there early. We're going to start sampling some of the uh, Festival of the Holidays booths because we, the, the main uh, candlelight processional that we wanted to see was Brendan Fraser. Um, no disrespect to Stamos, but we know he does it every year. This was not our year to go see him. We wanted Brendan Fraser, so we knew that we were going to be going back and having like a full evening at Festival of the Holidays, but there was so much we wanted to try. We were like, all right, let's start knocking out some booths. I think we only got to two food booths that night because the the lines lines were were just insanity. And it it rained so hard that day. Yes. Um, You were kind of running for cover. I mean, this was like heavy torrential Florida rain. But it did not thin the crowd. A lot no. of time people will give up and they'll go back. No, people wanted to see their Uncle Jesse. I have never they did. Ever. Now, for what it's worth, we got to see Stamos narrate because our friends had a couple of um, lightning lanes that they had to burn before the end of their day. So right. we just were kind of hanging out in the America Pavilion. And we just happened to walk up to the standing room and we got to see. Which is a good hack to know. However, it does speak to the dining packages and what yeah. we saw that night. I have never, ever seen with dining packages for any of the events that they run at Epcot. No, when we did the dining package for Eat to the Beat with Joey Fatone, we knew that we wanted to do that so we could get close to the stage because I'm a huge NSYNC fan. I wanted to be as close as I could. And 
we mentioned, uh, you know, in that dockside chat that was like two or three ago, that they used to guarantee the first three rows with the dining package, but they're clearly overselling them because we were about nine rows back. Now, I, I, I would be honestly shocked if they could guarantee a seat with the dining package. That's how long this line was. It stretched from the America Pavilion all the way back to Spice Road Table in Morocco. And it zigzagged And that in was Japan. when we walked by it. I, God only knows what it was like, you know, because then once we're in the America Pavilion, we're already way past it. But God knows what it was like after we had already gone by. And, and that's just the dining package. You still have people who have been waiting since 11 o'clock in the morning on the standby line. And, I mean, I will say this. Disney does a good job of making sure that if you were on that line early, that you still at least got in. It's not like they shut out the standby line in favor of the dining package. But it seems to me like... I, I, I don't I'm wondering if the dining package is going to be the new standard. And that way they can sort of... Well, they're not monitoring it. They can't be because there is no cutoff. But I'm wondering if they're going to try and encourage people to do that. That way they get the upsell. And if people are going to be waiting anyway, now they have your money from dinner. My guess... And they could just usher you in from one side. And then you're not going to have to turn hundreds of people away that are upset that they didn't get a seat. My guess is that in the future... They're going to almost necessitate you have the dining package to get into a show. And yep. if anybody gets in on a standby, so be it. Because this was another... It, it, it's like the Magical Express, right? Something nice that they once offered for free and then they realized, oh, we can be making more money off of this. I mean, so they're this a business. Is their way, I, yeah. I can't be mad at them for doing business like a business. But this is their way of monetizing something that was once there to be a people suck and enhance guest experience. But they've gotten so popular. The yeah. problem is, and it's a good problem to have, I guess, you're getting such quality caliber narrators yes. that... I, back in the day, when I used to see the celebrity narrators, and I would throw quotation fingers up for celebrity, because I didn't know who half of them were, you could get away with it. The problem is, I can tell you, every single person who narrates, and they're all very much A-list. Yeah. Whether A-list in entertainment or A-list in the Disney community. Right. So, the demand is so high that I, I, I think that this is going to become a new normal. Um, I'm sort of surprised it already isn't. But, I mean, if you think about it, you can stand on the standby line and get seated, or you can just go stand in the GA, standing room only area, and you get to see this show for free. Like, you're never going to not see the show for free. Right. Right? Like, right. that's that's kind of the point. So it's like, I, if, if for as long, here's the thing. For as long as people are willing to pay for things like dining packages and Genie Plus, mm -hmm. this will continue to happen. And, and you can sit there, and you as in the general audience, you as in the general population, can sit there and pound the table and go, eh, it used to be. But... There are enough people 
that say, I don't care how it used to be right? because I need to get there. And I'm and, doing this now. Correct. So if the demand is there, there's no incentive for them to stop selling it. Well, I guess what I'm surprised at is that I feel like you and I had an easier time getting in for Josh Gad last year than it was just being in this general vicinity on a night where we weren't even going to see the processional on purpose. You know what I mean? Like, Josh Gad, he's got the A-list on both ends. He's an A-list talent, and he's also an A-lister in the Disney community. All you and I had to do was get there early enough, get on standby, we missed the first show, got in for the second, and everything was fine. This, you could barely stand without having people bump into you. The walkways were so crowded. It, it just felt like chaos, not even organized chaos. It was just a little chaotic. Um, but the one thing, I mean, Stamos was great. He was incredible. Um, and then the cool thing was that we were standing um, in the America Pavilion with our drinks and it had just rained, so we weren't even trying to like make our way closer to the stage. We were actually standing under the tree. It was pouring. And... I heard somebody from behind me scream, we love, and I'm thinking it's like some middle-aged woman that's going to say we love Uncle Jesse or whatever. What was said was, we love you, Daddy. And I turn around, and it's his wife and kid. And I was like, oh, my God, that is so cute. Um, and I recognize, I recognize them right away because he posts pictures of them all the time, but also his wife, Caitlin, is huge in the Disney community because she does so many Disney bounds. Um, so that was kind of cool. And they were, they were just there, like no frills, no, no security, like no entourage or anything around them. They were just there taking it in, which was nice. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's nice to see that they get to enjoy because he takes it so seriously. And, and that's why he gets brought back every year, other than the fact that he's so big in the Disney community and he loves Disney so much. Like, he just takes the responsibility of narrating Candlelight so seriously. I mean, he was excellent. He did such a good job with it. He was into it. So part of the other reason that we were there that night was not only to visit our friends. Um, this was supposed to be our last time seeing Epcot forever um, because we thought the changeover was going to be on October 1st, which is the Epcot anniversary. So we had made a park resi, actually, Months ahead of September time. 30th, thinking that was going to be the last night. So for us, we were happy to be able to see it one more time. Also worth noting, um, that was also part of the reason we only got to two booths, because Epcot was closing... It was closing at 9.30, yes. but also Epcot Forever was at 9.30. And then they started shutting the festival booths down at 9 o'clock. So we thought after we caught Samos and met up with our friends, we were going to have maybe a half hour where we could get food. They started shutting the booths down, and we found out after, as we were leaving, it was because they had a private event for the Gary Sinise Foundation that night. Beautiful charity. Yeah. Um, no, you did a birthday fundraiser I did, for them a couple of years ago. Year. Um so that was really cool that they were keeping the park open for the charity. Um, but uh, just all in my feels over Epcot Forever. I absolutely love, love, loved that show. And I, for one, will miss it. Well, you were fortunate enough to actually get to see 
the final night of Epcot Forever. That was not planned. It was not initially planned, but our friend Christina Kay, who's been on the show before. Yes, you'll know her from Beauty and the Beast reviews and, um, oh, what was that other one? Frozen. Yeah, yes, she... It's, it's, it's my crazy Idina Fanzel friend. She's the one where <laughs> she comes on the show and I, I disappear. <laughs> I get snapped by Thanos and I'm gone. Some of you are thrilled about that. Others... You know, maybe you miss me, I don't know. But uh, Christina was in town, and she and I went and grabbed lunch over at the Boardwalk at the Deli, formerly known as the Boardwalk Bakery. And um, I know that she and I, we wanted to eat, but she was very much wanting to try some of the things from the festival booth over at Festival of the Holidays. Um... And so we were like, well, we don't want to eat anything too big because we want to make sure that she can go and enjoy that festival booth. But I know that we can go and get quick serve because the other thing was we, um, we were very much under the gun when it came to timing because she took Mears and Mears obviously is not almost, it's not quite as reliable as the old Magical Express, which coincidentally was run by Mears. Um, and I had to get to work, so we had a very limited window, and we knew that we could mobile order, if we really needed something, we could mobile order from the Boardwalk Deli, and she had to be in Epcot anyway. So we said, you know, it's just easier to go to the Boardwalk. We'll be right there. I think this was less about mirrors and more about Christina, because any time that we have tried to meet up with this girl in the parks, we have failed, because the first time we actually set foot in a park together, her monorail was stuck. This time it was mirrors. And the other issue that we had, now this is a Monday. I work during the day, you work at night. We didn't even get to see her together. It, it was true. like a monorail radio pot drop. We, we traded her off. <laughs> so um, you had lunch, and then I went out to meet her at the festival for dinner. But the deli was really, really good. I thought that value on the dollar-wise, um, it was r- r- relatively affordable. You got a big sandwich. You got a lot of food for a very reasonable amount of money. So, like, compared to, like, a New York or a Jersey deli, how it... Because, I mean, to be fair, Boardwalk is more, I think, Jersey modeled after Atlantic City. I, I mean, I think I, you're probably paying 4 or $5 more, but it's Disney. I'm not talking about the price. I'm talking about substance. How was the sandwich? I don't know. I had a grilled cheese. It was delicious. Oh, sh- was you didn't even get, like, cold cuts or something? All right. I'm going to have to go and research this myself. But you then got to go and do the final uh, performance of Epcot Forever, and you got to hit up some festival booths. Obviously, we got to hit up some festival booths the day that we were there for Stamos. So I think now's a good time to kind of, like, go through and talk about some of the things that we did get to eat while we were over at Festival of the Holidays over the course of the two or three days that we were there. Because... We have now <laughs> inadvertently <laughs> been there three been there times, three times yeah. to Festival of the Holidays. Right. Okay. So we have the book open here. We didn't do Connections Cafe. We didn't do Sunshine Seasons. Uh, the Noche Buena Cochina, uh, that I did do with Christina that night that you were not there. Um, we got the, the Christmas Punch. Um, which was non-alcoholic, um, but so delicious. Uh, it's made with, it's the punch with apples, pears, guava, which is what really sold me. So almost mm. like a, a, you know, variation of the pog juice. Right. Um, dried hibiscus, brown sugar, tamarind, cinnamon sticks, and cloves. Served warm. 
was a little chilly that night. It was just the perfect thing to carry around. And then I'm following her posts for the rest of her trip because this was night one of her trip. She must have had like seven of these things. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, while it's on my mind, please go follow the Christina K on Instagram and Twitter. Like we said, she's been on the show before, but she's doing a lot more with Disney. That's also why we got to see her, because she was here. That was the whole reason she came down. She was here for the first night of Luminous and the unveiling of the Walt statue. So she flew in that Monday, December 4th, because she was here for Walt's birthday and the unveiling of the statue. And that's why uh, we got to see her that night. But worth noting, because she's doing a lot with Disney these days, and her TikToks are awesome and super funny, and you should follow her. Um, I also got the tamale um, from the Noche Buena booth. Um, it was very good. It was pretty spicy, though. Um, it, that red chili sauce was, like, no joke. I'm not a big spicy person, so... I think for somebody that's less wimpy than I, it probably wasn't that bad. But for me, it was spicy. Would have been too much for me to handle. Yeah. No, you wouldn't have even wanted to taste it. But the tamale itself was very good. I just kind of had to scrape some of the sauce off. Um, holiday sweets and treats. We did not get to do. We didn't go to Swirl yet. We're striking out here. Oh, here we go. No, we got this here. Didn't we get the, uh, at the, the refreshment, refreshment port, port? The turkey poutine. Wow. Now, I got to tell you, in the past, some of the poutine I haven't loved. Mm-hmm. Um, this was unbelievable, yeah, though. This was bonkers good. It, a huge portion. You it and was I tremendous. And it was almost too much for the... Oh, what was the other thing? I think we split it, and, and we were kind of like, I'm sort of full already. The only thing... So we got this the first night that we went, on the Stamos night. Yeah. And we said it was good, but the only thing was that the cheese was not melted yet. The cheese curds hadn't melted down, and we said we were going to try and get it again because it was probably even better when it was served really warm and you get that ooey gooeyness. We never made it back just because the next night we went was so busy. Uh, But I didn't, I didn't, you'll be happy to know that I didn't go back without you. Um... The Yukon Holiday Kitchen, that I did do without you. Uh, Christina got the beef bourguignon. She really liked that. And I got the seared salmon, because you're not a salmon fan. So I figured that was the perfect opportunity to do it. Yes. Uh, And it was delicious. The glaze was really nice. It was a maple bourbon glaze. And the the butternut squash puree was also really nice that it was served on top of. Um, But I really enjoyed that. Um... I, I don't, don't think we, we did this one. Oh, that's France. We didn't go to France. Uh, no, didn't go to France. La Haim, yes, absolutely. Um, that was I. one of the things, the first night that we got shut out when those booths started closing down, this was the one that I was upset about because I really wanted potato latkes, and I missed them, and I was like, all right, come hell or high water, when we're back for Brendan Fraser, I'm going to get those, and it was the first thing I did once we stepped foot in the park that night. And you seem to really enjoy them. Oh, they're good. They're always great. They don't they don't change them, but they don't need to. They were right. delicious. Um, Tangerine Cafe, Cafe we, we did not get to. get to. Japan, we did not get to. We didn't eat funnel cake. American Holiday Table. Didn't you get a beer? I got beer the beer. I got the um, the Playa the, Linda, the peppermint chocolate stout. Um, it, as odd as this is going to sound, considering I was drinking beer, I didn't get a lot of peppermint. I kind of wish that there would have been a little bit more. Like, I got the chocolate stout. Like, that on its own was fine. It was, like, a little bit of pepper. I felt like, well, no, here's the thing. If you didn't tell me it was a peppermint chocolate stout, I don't think I would have tasted the peppermint. Mm -hmm. I think that because I knew it was in there, I was on the lookout for it. So I kind of, like, 
told myself that it was in there. It was very faint. And peppermint's one of those weird things because it's either going to taste like Listerine or it's going to not be enough. In this case, I felt like it wasn't quite enough. It wasn't a bad beer, but I didn't go back for it the second time around. From what I tasted, it, it was hard because I was already... I was drinking something else, and... You were having the Ottawa Apple. Yeah, oh, my first Ottawa Apple. Now, that's not a festival exclusive. I've just seen it so many times, and I've never been able to get it, and I was like, no, tonight's the night. I'm getting the festive Ottawa Apple. Uh, it, it lived up to every everything you've ever heard about it. It was delicious. The apple and the cranberry were so perfectly balanced. Neither one overpower the other and it was absolutely delicious but with that taste in my mouth I really couldn't get the flavor profile of the beer right um but I, I mean I'm just wondering how much more peppermint do you want in in, in beer I feel like just that a little would bit just more be, mm, I just needed a little I don't bit more know about that I needed just I needed to know that it was there without convincing myself that it was mm, there hot chocolate yes beer no all right moving on uh we did the Bavaria Holiday Kitchen. I did uh, the night we went to see Brendan Fraser, and I got the pork schnitzel, which was delicious. Do not recommend getting that unless you have yourself a table or a garbage can to lean messy. on. It was super messy. Well, the the sides weren't. The cabbage was really good. The spetzel was really nice. That was easy to eat. It was just the piece of pork itself. I would have liked to cut it. And because I was meeting back up with you and we, we had kind of said, um, well, you know what? We'll put a pin in that because we will get to our Brendan Fraser night. We're trying to go in order, but, um, we had that and I bought you a Linzer cookie. The Linzer cookie was really good. What took me by surprise is when you have a Linzer tart or a Linzer cookie, usually it's, it's like a raspberry jam. Mm -hmm. This was almost like a jelly donut filling. It was yeah. very good, though, um, but I wasn't quite expecting the jelly donut filling that they put in it. I have to say, it's not as good as my grandma's. Nothing will ever be, but it was delicious. And it was, it was different, because my grandma used to make them with sugar cookie. This had, like, the allspice right in the dough. It was and, really good. Uh, it, was, it was very good. Um, and I think that that's all we got to try. We didn't do the cookie stroll, because there was simply not enough time um, but there was only one or two other things that I wanted to try that we just didn't get to. The, the lines were just very long at yes. all of the booths. And once we get into specifically our night where we saw Brendan Fraser, um, that'll play into why, just because it was so busy. Yeah, but before we get to that, let's talk about Bay Lake Tower. Neither one of us had been to Bay Lake Tower. Right. Previously, because it's a DVC resort. I picked Christina up there. And I was waiting for mirrors to come in, so I did two laps around. Uh, and I was impressed with how beautiful that resort is. Like, you know that it's very nice. You know it's one of the newer resorts. Um, but walking around, like, it's well manicured, and there's a ton to do. If you are a guest there, um, if you are a DVC member, I can see the appeal of being right there on the, on the monorail line. Well, not just that, but when I dropped Christina off, she took me up to the room with her so that I could see it. There was nothing like walking across the sky bridge from the Contempo onto the floor that she was staying at. So I was like, this must be the best morning at Disney to wake up. Oh, yeah. 
go grab your morning coffee, go bring it back to your room. You've got a theme park view right there, and her family requested a theme park view. So can you imagine you're falling asleep at night and your win- your window is facing the castle? Like, I... I, I like, I get it now. I get the DVC hype. I get why you buy in for something like that. And no matter, that's the nice thing about Bay Lake Tower. There's not a bad view on either side. Because on the one, you've got a nice water view. And on the other, you don't even notice that you're technically facing the parking lot. Because behind it, you've got Space Mountain, now Tron, yeah. and the castle. And the castle stays on all night. So if you wake up in the middle of the night, you've still got this gorgeous view. Um, so it, th- that was pretty spectacular. I'm really glad that she took me in to see it. It was nice. And the, the rooms were great, too. Yeah. Following that, we did a day at Universal with our friends Brennan and Catherine. You guys have heard them on the show before. We wanted to make sure that we did Grinchmas because last year... We prioritized seeing Mannheim Steamroller, who is excellent, oh, and, volcano. and volcano. seeing Let's go. fire, and seeing the uh, the holiday parade, the Macy's Parade. That was our plan again this year, was to see all of it in addition to the Grinch. However, we had a very rainy night that was predicted, so we went early, and we went to Islands of Adventure, and we saw the Grinch stage show. Um... I gotta be honest with you, not only was it one of my favorite shows of the season, it's one of the best stage performances I've seen down here, period. It was incredible. I mean, first of all, the nostalgia factor puts it over the top because you go in through the Dr. Seuss section and they take you through the back of the park and into the old Nickelodeon building. So, for us just to get to go back in there is pretty cool. But that aside, because I do think that sort of plays into the hype and the excitement of the show. So, putting the bias aside of just being back in that venue, um, the show is just incredible. The talent was Broadway quality. The makeup is absolutely unbelievable. It Um, it truly is. And the set design was spectacular. How functional that set was. Yeah. And just how big, too. It fills the space. They've got the Grinch, you know, up on the mountain in his cave. Um, The way that they do when he steals from the first house and the way that they flip everything over was really clever. And they have Max, who once they brought Max out on stage, Max is played by a real dog. Like, you completely lost me. I was staring at Max the entire time. They've got him on a sled. It is the cutest thing in the whole world. I, I will do that every year. And it, it's free. I, I can't believe it's free. I, I would pay for that. Don't give them any ideas. <laughs> this is how dining packages well, happen. they're not Disney, so you know what? They're not going to do it. They're just happy that you're going to their park. Th- this is very true. Um, lots of characters out that day, too, yeah. which was remarkable because it wasn't that busy. But we saw... The Simpsons, we saw Beetlejuice, we saw Trolls, we saw... Scooby-Doo. And I, when I say saw, I mean from a distance. We didn't go do these characters. Uh, Shrek and Fiona. Puss in Boots. Puss in Boots. Um, uh, who's the... Um, squ- Earl. Earl the Squirrel. Yeah. Um, and there was another one which is escaping me at the moment. But And the Who's come out in between the oh, performances. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, of the of the stage show, but I was so surprised that with the crowd levels that low, um, 
how many characters they had out. Speaking of low crowd levels, um, the other thing that we got to do besides Grinchmas um, was the new Minions ride. Oh my god. Minion Mayhem. That was so much fun. It was great. Like, we're not the big... We've seen all of the Minions. I like them. I do too. I mean, I like Gru. I like Steve Carell. Sure. Um, We're not like uber fans, but we've seen them all because they're fun movies. Um, This was a really smart way to incorporate the IP. The only thing, I still go back and forth because what I'm surprised about, and I don't think people are talking about this enough, you're standing on a people mover. Yeah. So it's not like Men in Black. It's not like Buzz Lightyear where you're seated. And I, I like it in the sense of like with Buzz Lightyear, like you will always say turn if you're going to move the vehicle so that I'm not in the middle of a shot and I'm going to miss because you're turning us over to the other side. Here, I like that you're in total control of where your body is aimed, what you can point at, you can like lean over. So I think that that was really smart and I like the way that you had to be standing on your circle in order for the um, blaster to activate. But I feel like if you have to wait on a crowded day for like an hour to get on there and then you have to stand, I'm surprised that more people aren't like disappointed by that. I think 20 minutes is the longest I would wait. Yeah. To do that attraction. It's fun. It's 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 really a lot of fun. 20 minutes is all you should have to wait though because it is an omni mover and you're not even doing load in load out of these vehicles. So like it should be moving along pretty fast. I'm I'm wondering if we've seen these longer wait times just because it's new and that's going to die off and the idea is that this is going to be a good people eater. All in all though, really a Fun attraction and a really nice day at Universal. And we hadn't been to Universal. You hadn't been there in quite some time. Um, (laughs) No. I had to renew my pass was how long I had been there. This is why most of us go on the monthly. But It's not a car. I'm not going to finance an AP. We don't pay a finance. Move on. Um, We'll be there more often now coming into February 3rd. February 3rd. Feet don't fail me now. Feet don't fail me now. We are so Mardi ready Gras. for Mardi Gras. I am so ready for Mardi Gras. I want to do a float this year. We've been saying it and saying it. I want to try the dining package and get on a float. There you are with the dining packages again. Well, that that gets you on the float. If you don't do the standby, you have to do that. All right. Um, we did not do a dining package for our final trip to Epcot, uh, which... It's going to be our final trip to Epcot for the calendar year, actually. I'm only realizing that now. Oh. Sorry. Um, to go see Brendan Fraser narrate Candlelight Processional uh, on top of many other things. Uh, so Josh Gad was excellent when we saw him last year. Stamos was very good. Um, there's a reason why Brendan Fraser won an Oscar. Yeah. Um, this isn't meant to be shade thrown at the other two narrators because of the three shows, they all did it very differently. Mm-hmm. Josh Gad was so was like lighthearted, but telling you a cool story. And then Stamos is Uncle Jesse, so like he's the approachable uncle that's like going to have that serious moment with you. Brendan Fraser is telling you the story of the birth of Christ, and he's going to let you know he's <laughs> telling you the story of the yeah. birth of Christ. Um, well, before we get into that, I'd want to give a little bit of context because you happened to have off the night that he was... Th- this was the other thing. We didn't think we were going to get to see him. When they released the list of who they had, 
we saw his name and immediately we were like, let's go. Then we realized he was there from Tuesday to Thursday and you work, so we couldn't possibly make it. What ended up happening was that Sean had to work on a Saturday, so they kicked him back a night and we got to I made go. sure that was the night I got back. Yes. However, I still had to work. So we had to wait until I got out and we just floored it as fast as we possibly could to Epcot. We may or may not have patronized Abracadabra just so we could park at Boardwalk and cut in the back way. Don't recommend doing it. Tip your bartenders if you're going to do that. But we did. We did. So we were We had to get there fast. So we sort of had to divide and conquer because we were already just so late getting there. We had one shot for the final performance. Um, We knew that we weren't going to be able to really get any of the food booths and, and have enough time to wait online. So what we did was Sean went immediately to the America Pavilion and our plan was if the dining package line looked insane, he was just going to go hover and get us a spot in the back. And I was going to go and get my latkes. That way I didn't have to miss out on them. And then we were going to switch places. I would take your spot so you could go get your Bavarian pretzel in Germany. Your pretzel und beer, in the words of Stacy. Bring her back, by the way. So I'm online for the latkes, and I get the text from you that it's a zoo. I don't even know how I'm going to find you, how I'm going to carry food and get access to my phone and figure out where you are, but I did. I said, I'm going to get my pretzel. Forget this. <laughs> yeah, by the time I got back to you, you're sitting there with your pretzel and beer because we had just given up on the line in any capacity, and we were like, all right, we're just going to do standing room in the back. M- mind you, standing room is different than do not stand where the wheelchairs are supposed to be because everybody deserves a nice spot. So we still got a pretty good spot, all things considered, but it was just a zoo. It, it was, I mean, it was organized. I think it was better organized than Stamos. I, I would agree. But that doesn't take away from how crowded it actually was, but it, didn't, it also didn't take away from how wonderful the experience was. Um, I totally agree with you. Josh Gad knows his audience. It was fun. It was lighthearted. He knows that he's Olaf. He wasn't in character per se, but he definitely embodied the spirit of his character. Um, And he had a lot of fun and he was cracking jokes. This was a complete tonal shift. We're going to church. We're running (laughs) crazy. We did go to church. Uh, But it was lovely. It it was, I mean, I, I was absolutely moved to tears. It was just beautiful. Really well done. Brendan Fraser moved himself to tears. Yeah. I, it was really, um, well, no, it was something else. What I was surprised at was I thought I heard him like kind of like snort and like wipe his face. And I was like, really? Like we're doing, but then I realized it was because he was crying. He wasn't, you know, like being gross or anything. But I think part of that also plays into the fact that, you know, this year at the Oscars, him and Kiwi Kwan had the comeback stories of the century as far as making their way back into Hollywood and both getting into not only Oscar-nominated films, but they had Oscar-nominated performances. He won. I think he's just they so... They both did, didn't they? Uh, yes. Yes, they both yes. did. Kiwi Kwan won also. Yeah, because Brendan got Best Actor and Kiwi Kwan got Supporting. Yeah. Okie dokie, Dr. Jones. But just what... You couldn't write their stories in Hollywood. It and they're going amazing. to. That's they really will. funny. They're going to write their stories because <laughs> someone else is going to play it. Um, but I think you can just tell that he's so appreciative of his comeback 
that the public embraced him again with open arms. I think he was just sort of overwhelmed by the whole thing. But his delivery was incredible. Um, it was just really nice. Speaking of being moved to tears, uh, we also saw Luminous that night. Um, Very a hot-button topic right now. Yeah, which I'm really surprised at because, I mean, here's the thing. I know we all grew up on Illuminations, right? I know we all love it. But I think there's also got to be a certain... And I, I mean, look, you're sitting here listening to the people that are still calling it MGM and will die on that hill. But I think that we're also, you know, losing sight of the fact that... And admittedly, I do it too. Walt himself said this is always going to change. And I mean, yes, there is something to be said for the for the nostalgia that you grew up on. Yes, there's something to be said where some of the older rides were just straight up better. But we also have to keep in mind that Epcot is being completely rebranded. And I think that people are forgetting that because those walls have been up for so darn long. Um, so that, that's fair. But we also have to keep in mind that... It's going to be world discovery, world nature, space. The front of the park is being completely transformed and rebranded. So it makes sense for a show to reflect that. And I think that that's what Luminous does really well, is that it not only addresses the rebrand in the front of the park... It ties the front to the back, which was also part of what this rebrand was supposed to be. Now that a lot of the walls have come down, it's starting to stand out. And that's why they are calling everything World, because you had World Showcase existing. Right. So each of these neighborhoods is going to be World fill-in-the-blank. So I think that it was important for them to address that, and I think that they did it really well. I also think that this is the first time in a while we have seen a really, really nice blend of IPs and new music Yes, blended together harmoniously. Yeah, I said and, it. and deep cut, deep yeah. cut songs. Well, I have the a theory part. on that. For the most part. I have a theory on that. Uh, I think part of it is that it's speaking to the millennials that they know are going to that park to drink around the world, whether it's childless millennials or whether they're going as a family. Hi-oh. Um, I also think that this is part of a trend in the way that the music is going. Because now, uh, call me bias, and that's fine. Um, our friend Tyler... As in Joe and Tyler, who you've heard on the show before, we did our countdown of the 100 best Disney songs. Well, not our countdown. According to Billboard. Which was wrong. Yes. Um, But Tyler's a composer. That's why we wanted them on specifically for that episode. And Tyler did the Disney Paris parade. And quite honestly, I was floored. I was so impressed by the song choice, the way that he blended everything together. Um... And just the decision to do the mashups, because there was a story in that parade, and the songs that he chose, like he blended You'll Be In My Heart from Tarzan with Mi Corazon from Coco, Um, and he did um, You've Got a Friend in Me from Toy Story with Friend Like Me from Aladdin, and those are very important, because those are all 
in Luminous, and that's why I am mentioning this, because I was really surprised to hear Tarzan, and I was like, okay, this is cool, and then it went into Mi Corazon, and I was like, okay, this is nice, and it felt familiar, but I wasn't putting the two and two together quite yet, and by the time they got to Toy Story, you turned I turned to, to you and I said, this, this feels kind of random, and I went, oh my god, this is Tyler's, and if they go into friend like me, if they go into Aladdin, they essentially took Tyler's show. And I don't know whether we should feel attacked or <laughs> if we should be really proud that he set the trend. And sure enough, boom. I had to take a lap. I was You walked shot. away for I a just moment. Left you. I just left you because I was so shocked. Um, so my knee-jerk reaction was I'm kind of offended on his behalf and I got really, really defensive, but the other part of me was equally just as proud because if this is how we're trending, I mean, he set this whole thing up and that's pretty darn impressive. I thought the show was really good. I thought that they did a nice job of incorporating a legitimate, easy-to-follow story that was on brand for Epcot. I thought that they picked... IP that did not feel forced and maybe that is a tip of the cap towards Tyler, but they also had original music in there. I, I felt like this took the things that you really like about uh, Illuminations, the, the few things that they got right about Harmonious and they blended it together. Um, and I, I felt that they all around put a really good show out. Um, will, do I think that there are going to be alterations made to the show? Absolutely. I think that they will fine-tune it a little bit. But all in all, um, I really enjoyed it. I don't... Epcot fireworks shows are going to be uh, ripe for criticism because people miss illumination so much, and I understand that. But I think that, given a fair shot, this is not as good as illuminations, but it is far better than harmonious. And I think that this is something that people will be very excited to see for many years to come. And they're going to see it for many years to come. Uh, I also think that um, they were very smart because obviously we know that Harmonious cost a pretty penny. And the big gripe with it was the taco barges in the middle of the lake. And full disclosure, there are leftover tacos in the lake. There are. But rather than just completely scrap everything that you paid for, they repurpose them. They're not nearly as invasive. Not at all. You had said to me at one point, you felt like the fireworks were kind of small. Um, but my counterpoint is, we're not at Magic Kingdom. We're at Epcot. Right. You don't necessarily need... You need a fireworks show. You need night, nighttime entertainment. But you don't need that same kind of spectacular. So I think for what it was to combine the fire... the or fire. The pyrotechnics and the water feature, I think that was a nice blend. It felt very communal, like we said, with the songs that were chosen. Um, but also, with the IPs aside, the new songs that they wrote, it did feel very... Um, not just community-oriented, but there was one part, the part that drew tears for me. They talked about um, not the past, present, and future of Epcot, but... They wrote it with families in mind. 
knowing that there are a lot of people who do these multi-generational trips and they said something to the effect of remember who you're here with or remember who you were here with and I immediately went right back to my first trip with my family and I was bawling by the end of it. Didn't help that they also well, you know what? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna Don't say spoil. the big tearjerker song. I won't spoil it, but like the song choice there, they knew exactly what they were doing and that's that's all I'll say about it. But um yeah, I mean that's the mark of a good Disney show for me. It drew tears. All in all, an awful lot of fun. And And I'm looking forward to seeing it again and like really dissecting it and taking it all in and paying more attention to things now that we know to look out for them. Earlier today, before sitting for this recording, we went and met my parents. They came over from the west coast of Florida. Um, We did a Christmas celebration here at Disney Springs. We went and had uh, brunch at the Boathouse, um, which was excellent. Um, The last time we did brunch with them at Boathouse, uh, it was very good, Um, although for those who may not remember, there was food that had to be sent back and recooked. But Boathouse is so consistent, we give them a pass. Not the case today. They knocked it today out of the park. Um, And I'm loving the new option on their brunch menu. Uh, They had chorizo tacos, which, yes, please, of course I got them. They were absolutely delicious. They did, however, because your dad was a little disappointed that they didn't have the um, sausage. Yeah, the sausage and eggs that he had had. He was going to get that again, but that is the dish that they swapped for. But I think he was just as happy with his steak and eggs. Uh, Which he absolutely loved. And then we took them to Raglan Road because we had gotten on the virtual queue with Gideon's. And we were waiting for the uh, turn to be called in our favor. So uh, we went to Hangar Bar, but it was way too busy. And we went to um, uh, Raglan. And then uh, you and my mom went to Gideon's. My father and I stayed back. And I was like, oh, so how are you enjoying your day so far? You know, just making small talk with him. And he was like, well, I mean, this was your backup plan to Jock Lindsay's? (laughs) And I went, oh, my God. Like, for a moment, I said, did he not like this? And he was like, because you should have brought me here first. (laughs) His exact words were, if we didn't have to get home to the dog, I'd be booking a hotel room. This place is dangerous. So that's how you know that he really enjoyed it. I ordered the Docky Duo. Goes back to the other conversation. We didn't have enough to eat during breakfast, so thanks for that. Docky Duo is always a good idea. Um, they really enjoyed it. Raglan Road, the entertainment, the food, like everything is just so, so, so consistent. Um, no, and your mom was really impressed with Gideon's. Um, yeah, I wasn't We didn't there. tell her anything going into it. Um, you know, I didn't even say that it looks like the inside of Tim Burton's head or what I imagine that to be like. Um, the only thing that we told her was that they were half pound cookies. I didn't tell her about the cake, anything. I just sort of let her take it in. So we get up to the front of the outdoor line you know we, we get back in line for the virtual queue we make it we are the next people about to go inside and some guy comes up to us and he was like um he's like is it is it worth the wait how long is the wait and I was like well this line is 15 minutes but that's after we got called back otherwise it's two hours maybe more by now so he was like what if I give you the money for my cookies and I buy you one and I was like eh, I feel like I'm the 18 year old that approaches you outside the liquor store to try and buy them booze when they're underage black I was like, market no, 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 Gideon's no, no. cookies no, no 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 we're not doing this we are not getting trespassed on a Gideon's cookie not for one no 
But, now, if you bought, bought everything, we'll talk about but it. But that's when your mom knew, because she kept calling it the bakery. That's when she knew, like, this was not your average this bakery anymore. This is not anymore. just the bakery. Yeah. She was very impressed. They're very much looking forward to get, digging into their Gideon's. As am I, because we got cake slices, which we don't normally do. But there was a cookie butter cake slice, and I was not passing it out. You said surprise. You're so surprised, Sean. Hooray. Um, let's talk about a few other things as we're nearing the end of our conversation here, starting with the 2020 special that aired for the Disney 100th anniversary. Here's the thing. I mean, Disney owns ABC for now. So, yes, that made sense. However, the fact that there was not a documentary on Disney Plus for the 100th, I mean, no disrespect to Once Upon a Studio. I think that that was absolutely brilliant. But I'm really surprised that they did not have some sort of documentary um, that is going to air on Disney+. And maybe they felt it was, like, too self-righteous to do something like that. Because I do know... Since when has Disney (laughs) ever had shame? That's exactly it. Why not put yourself in control of the whole thing? If you were willing to do Waking Sleeping Beauty, which exposed the good, the bad, and the ugly... Why wouldn't you do something that celebrates you and pats yourself on the back? I do know, I can't say much about it, I do know that there is a documentary in the works for The 100. Um, it's coming. I can't say what network, I can't, can't say what it is, but there, there is something. Disney just didn't do it themselves. And what's very interesting about that documentary is we're celebrating Disney 100, and we're celebrating the man. We're celebrating the company. The company, based on the man that put so much into exquisite filmmaking and exquisite storytelling. And that leads us into a conversation about some comments that were made during a town hall by our CEO, Bob Iger. Well, before we get into that, I do want to get into what the what 2020 did do right, because I did think it was a good expose on the company. And what I do like was that it was a celebration of Walt and what he did, but they didn't, for lack of a better term, waste a lot of time focused on his life. It was company-centric. It was... Uh, it was a very good showcase of the hundred years and the passing of the torch for what he did during his lifetime to where it is now. I think that the interviews that they chose were really smart. I like who they got for it. I like how they broke it into sections like the music, the parks, the movies, the TV. Um, I think it was just really, really well done. Um, and I learned something from it, too, which I was really surprised. They said that Disney Plus, the reason they named it that was because Walt always liked to say, we're going to plus up. I had no idea there was that much of a connection back to Walt. And this, do- not documentary, this 2020 special was exactly what I needed to sort of give, in, give me a refresh. Because, admittedly, we have been very critical of the company this year. I personally have been very disillusioned with Hollywood and the state of the industry right now, and that's because I've been personally affected by it. But I think that there has been just a lot of negativity, admittedly from us too, as part of the 
rhetoric. Um, Which was, I think, justified some, in many ways. Some of it was justified. But this was a very good refresher, a very good reset for me. And it was a really good reminder of how much Iger, in fact, does care and how much he respects Walt. And I think that when we really look at what was said, I don't think that it's as negative as it's being spun. Well, here's my thing. We, we may sit on different sides of the fence when it comes to this. Yes, this is what Iger said in the town hall. Something that really stood out to me with what Bob Iger said was in looking at the box office bombs that have been in the last year or so, some unjustly, I think Wish is a really good movie. Wish should not have been a bomb. I thought Strange World was good. I thought Strange World was good. Shouldn't have been a bomb. Thought Lightyear was great. Shouldn't have been a bomb. However, we are not the court of public opinion. When your CEO comes out and says that we should be focused on storytelling and not sending messages, I mean, <laughs> the, the company <laughs> celebrating 100 years based on exquisite storytelling. Uh, a ba- Entertainment. Uh, a ba- uh, on, on, on the back of a genius of a man. My father still cries talking about Walt Disney. Not today. Like, there was not... I just want to be not, clear. Not, well, there was not, not like a breakdown at the boathouse. But, but he, he still... But man. no, my father will still cry talking about what, the, what a man Walt Disney was. Uh, I think the fact that your CEO needs to come out and say, well, we need to focus on storytelling. How did you get away from it? Yes. That, to me, is the most concerning thing. Well, is that... Uh, listen, I think that... You want to tell stories. You want to represent the underrepresented. I think that that is all great. But you can't do the Bono thing. Don't throw yourself a parade for building a well in some underprivileged community like Bono does. Tell us new stories. Introduce us to new characters. Let us learn through storytelling without having to check your little boxes. And this is a Hollywood problem. Disney does it the worst of everybody, but it's a Hollywood problem, where if you don't check all the boxes, the movies don't get made. And you're starting to see that people are becoming disillusioned with all of the boxes having to be checked. And and the fact that you checking boxes takes priority over telling quality stories is why people are not going to, to the movies right now. It's not just a Disney problem, it's a Hollywood in general problem, but for some reason Disney seems to be feeling it the worst. And I think that's because people are so used to the idea that Disney's going to do a billion dollars at the box office with their animated classic. They're going to do a billion dollars at the boxes with uh, at the box office with the oversaturated and beaten to death MCU. They're not doing that right now. The fact that your CEO comes out and says that we've gotten away from storytelling is so alarming because you're celebrating a hundred years of exquisite storytelling. It's why these parks is, exist. It, it's why we moved here. We could have moved anywhere in the state of Florida, folks. We chose coming here for a reason. It's also why your company is celebrating 100 years yes. when so many never even make it to that. You bought everybody else because you endured where others couldn't. So the fact that 
you're admitting that we've gotten away from storytelling to shoehorn messages in. I'm glad they've admitted it, but why did we get to this point? That, that, that to me was the takeaway is, how did we get so far away from what made the company so successful for a century that we need to go back to basics? It's one of these, it's like, we shouldn't have gotten so detached from what worked that we need to go back to basics. Yeah, I mean, honestly, when he said, and what was said was, I wanna be clear because we're paraphrasing here, that, that we've gotten away from storytelling. What he said was we need to put the focus back on storytelling over messaging. But I think the other thing that he's saying is we need to focus on storytelling over content. The worst thing that has happened to Hollywood is people are referring to film and television as content for a streaming service. No, content is what you put on TikTok. It's what you put on Instagram. It is not the same as making a motion picture feature. So I think that that's one of the things that people need to wrap their mind around in a different way. Um, honestly, when I first saw the article where he said that and I read the quote, I was like, yeah. And what? That, that's exactly the point. You're an entertainment company. You should be focused on storytelling. If there is a message in there that makes you feel something, then you've done your job even better. That is the building blocks on which this company was founded, was because there was great storytelling. There were, to quote Jer Jeffrey Katzenberg, unforgettable characters, but there was also a takeaway from these films that was woven in more subtly. And I think that that's also what Iger is speaking to now. And I've, I've said this before, and we've talked about all the industry problems on this podcast. I have said one of the biggest problems with Chapek was that he was groomed within the Disney company on the hospitality end. You can teach hospitality. You can't teach Hollywood. And... To be fair, Iger was not a Hollywood exec either. He's not what Michael Eisner was, but he got it. He was very forward-thinking. He was very much on the pulse of the change. And he even said in the 2020 interview, which I was very impressed with, instead of being afraid of this disruption that streaming is causing, we're going to embrace it and we're going to come out ahead of it. And they did. Inadvertently, they broke the entire system because then everybody else tried to catch up with what Disney was doing when they didn't have the, the Disney legacy to keep it up. Anyway, I think that um, I think this is a good reset. I think that's what needs to be focused on, and I think that that was also part of the problem that was experienced in his absence was that there was just not enough knowledge of the Hollywood end of it to have that branch of the company be successful. And I think that's also part of what he's addressing without coming out and saying it. He's taking the dig at Chapek without actually coming out and saying it. I think that that's part of what he means, is that too, for too long, we've been listening to the numbers people, we've been listening to the marketing, and we've taken everything away from the creative, which is what this company stands for. I think that you can tell all of your stories. I think that you can send your very powerful messages through fantastic storytelling by letting the creatives be creatives and without being distracted by making sure that you meet your quota. 
because you did it successfully for a hundred years. I think you're right. I think it's a good time for a reset button. There's a reset button there. We have a reset button in the park. Construction walls are coming down. And I have a reset you of my own. You have a reset of your own. I am very, very excited. I have been waiting to announce this. Um, so, as most of you know, um, I have been a Disney travel agent for the past five years. Um, and admittedly, um, I have not been happy with Magical Vacation Planner and the way that they handled things throughout the pandemic. Um, and they've been very successful growing their company and their brand. But full disclosure, I do feel like they have lost sight of what it is that we are supposed to be doing, which is assisting people to plan the best vacations for their family and giving them a great experience. And it has just grown so big um, that I've kind of felt like it is oversaturated. And I'll just come out and say it. It's kind of become the MLM of Disney travel agencies. Um, so... I was not planning on renewing my contract um, at the end of this year anyway. Um, you know, I was going to still help friends or anyone that asked um, and, and assist them with their vacations however I could. But as luck would have it, um, friend of the show and very close friend. Friend of life. Yes. <laughs> A friend of life. One of the best friends down here, uh, Kelly, who has been on the podcast before. You know her from... Uh, Karma and Kismet. You know her from our Rogue One review, from our Thor uh, Ragnarok review. Um, where I was experiencing a very low point as far as growing my own personal business with vacation planning, uh, she came out swinging and she thrived in this environment. And a lot of that is because she's very smart when it comes to marketing, she's very knowledgeable. And when I thought the industry was completely oversaturated, she was able to just find so much success to a point where she is launching her own company. Um, so not only are we just so happy for her and so proud of her that she was able to grow her brand that big, uh, the timing could not have been more perfect for me. She approached me about uh, maybe not giving up as a Disney travel agent and joining her and I was more than happy to come on board. So as of 2024, I will be booking vacations under KMV Travel. Um, so you can go check out the website, kmvtravel.com. Um, as of today, I believe I am officially up on there. You will see my profile. Um, my new email address is jackie at kmvtravel.com. So if you're interested in uh, planning your vacations for 2024, you can reach out to me that way. Or you can reach out to me. If it's easier to remember Monoreal, you can still go through the Gmail. Uh, that's totally fine. Either way, if, if you are bothering to reach out, I will find you. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm super excited. I mean, I've been going through all my training behind the scenes while I was waiting for my contract with MVP to be up. Uh, so I'm ready to hit the ground running. And... Um, what I'm most excited about is just the tools that she has given us. Just on my end, on the agent side, it's just so much better. I mean, Kelly is a boutique agency. That's the way that she set up KMV Travel so that um, there is a lot more individualized attention. But 
it's not just on the guest experience. It's her individual, her individual attention on each of her team members. And I just feel like we are so set up for success and there's just so much more resources that will be so much more helpful to guests. I, I'm just so excited to get started. I really am. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm ready. All right. Well, uh, we are interested in hearing from you, our friends, in regards to any of these talk topics. How do you feel about Bob Iger's comments? Uh, are you planning a trip down here? Have you experienced some of the holiday offerings? You can let us know on X, Instagram, and Facebook at Monoreal Radio, or you can email us monorealradio at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for joining us this and every week on Monoreal Radio. Happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, um, and we are so very excited to also give away another straw charm from the Hidden Mickey Supply Co. because we want to gift you with something for Christmas or Hanukkah this holiday season. So if the first person to uh, DM us or email us, I usually use a word. I'm not going to use a word today. I'm going to use KMV. The first person to, to, to send us KMV in an email or a direct message will win a straw charm from our dear friends over at the Hidden Mickey Supply Co. So make sure that you are on it. Have a safe and happy holiday season. Very happy new year. Uh, the next time you hear from us on a Dockside chat, uh, hopefully we will be here together at Dockside Margaritas. And it won't be me through Skype or Zoom in an ice bath following the Dopey <laughs> Challenge. But more on that in a few weeks. For Jackie, I'm Sean. Have a magical week, everyone. <laughs>